Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state of the art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Hilary Beaumont. Hey, Jesse. Staff reporter for Vice Canada. Thanks for having me back on. Thank you for coming back. Welcome to Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Jim Struthers, Thomas Evers, Ron McKinnon, Andrew Duffy, Doug Skelke, Jessica Potter, Ryan Goldaid, Hillary Byrne, and Jeff Jameson. Jeff, why did you decide to be awesome? Because you do good work and you need money to do it. And listen, bro, the traditional media is never handing you another dime. So somebody has to step up. This episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks. Hillary, if you had to choose your favorite cloud accounting software, I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you would answer FreshBooks rather than ask you to participate in a sponsored <laughs> message. But you, you would be right if, if that was your... <laughs> because it's uh, FreshBooks is very intuitive as a cloud accounting billing platform. It saves me a lot of time. I use it. It makes you look more professional for your freelance practice or small business. It gets you paid faster. It's one of these things that makes me wish that the same ethic, you know, 
of making things just run better, of a design ethic and engineer's ethic was just applied to all areas of life because when somebody has taken this thing that used to be a source of like a headache, something I would put off, I didn't want to do my billing. I now, it's just kind of fun because somebody has actually taken some consideration for my experience as I do it. And, and it's it's the way that this should be done. If you need to do it, you should stop thinking about it. You should just go to freshbooks.com slash Canada land and sign up for a 30 day free trial. And when you do decide to become a paying customer of FreshBooks, tell them who sent you, you will get 10% off and you will be supporting this podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away, but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Good morning, Mr. Wright. How are you feeling before your testimony today? Mr. Wright, good to go. What are you going to say today in your testimony? How is this going to affect the election, sir? You know, Nigel Wright's going to put the PM in the mud? Okay, uh, we have to start with Duffy and Nigel Wright. And yet, I feel this pressure to not be fooled, to not be distracted. But I don't know what the distraction is. There's, Is this the distraction? Somebody today suggested Harper has announced these policies that everybody has taken to be a distraction from the Nigel Wright Duffy thing. And yet somebody said, no, no, no. The Nigel Wright case is the distraction. That's the distraction. Read The Guardian today. There's an article in The Guardian about all these millions of dollars the government spent of taxpayer money promoting the oil sands. And they've timed this. They've timed the election in such a way that that's the real scandal. Where is the false flag? Where is the distraction? Are we being distracted? Because we do have to talk about what happened today. So perhaps framing it as distractions is the problem, because really what every leader is trying to do at this point is position themselves around whatever is breaking. So obviously Harper decided to come out with this um, this travel plan to ban people from going to 
countries that are uh, clearly run by terrorists. And um, then today you've got the Duffy trial continuing. But hold on, because I am distracted by the first thing. We have to talk about the first thing. It's very distracting. <laughs> Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Oh, so okay. stay on okay. message. So Mulcair also right. today, uh, you know, had a great one-liner about the Duffy trial. Uh, I probably don't have it in front of me, but essentially he's trying to position this as Harper on trial instead of Duffy on trial. So basically don't get distracted by anything because everybody's trying to get in there and position the breaking news as their own thing. Right. Now that sort of assumes that breaking news is sort of a force of nature that everybody has to realign themselves around and make work for them and spin to their advantage. But of course, when you're the prime minister, you have control over what is the breaking news. If you announce a major policy initiative, as ridiculous as it might be, like, let's say, this travel ban, you have just created breaking news. So I don't have, what do they call it, um, the conservative uh, Twitter people, oh, Harper derangement syndrome, to think that somehow he could manufacture this, the entire Duffy scandal. But, you know, he does get to choose when the election is. So, you know, all of these things are taken into consideration. Again, I must be distracted because it, it affects journalists, this travel ban. of You know, I can't think of a good reason why anyone should have to go to a terrorist-controlled country. Well, I can think of a good reason. No, but um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that uh, his staffers have said that journalists will be exempted and also people who are doing human rights work on the ground and this kind of stuff. Of course, it leaves out the question of, you know, if you're a freelance journalist going to one of these countries that he hasn't specified yet, but probably Syria and Iraq, you know, will you have to have specific credentials attaching you to one media group in particular? You're absolutely correct that there's this exemption that the government has flagged for journalists and in doing so has essentially created a category of government-approved journalists. You have to be designated a journalist by the government and that is just like a ding, ding, ding red flag for me because we go to some lengths to make sure that that, you know, this is a very proudly unlicensed, unregistered, unrecognized profession that anybody can claim to be one as it should be because otherwise that's a very dangerous precedent if you've got a government saying, you know, that uh, so-and-so is, you know, a freelancer, a blogger, a podcaster, I don't know, somebody with a newsletter, I.F. Stone, the legendary muckraking journalist, first guy to question the Gulf of Tonkin, that he wouldn't have made any kind of government. So, but am I getting distracted because this is my pet Don't pe- get distracted, Jesse. I'm very easily distracted. Yeah, don't look over there. It's easy to get me. If you're something about, you know, uh, a freedom of speech issue and I'm, I'm you know, that's all I'm going to talk about. Back to Duffy and Nigel Wright on the stand today. Okay, obviously this is a incredibly newsworthy story of national importance, and yet I can just just trying to follow. Like Rosemary Barton was doing a wonderful job of tweeting yeah, it today. Yeah, I was following her tweets. She was great. Your colleague Justin Ling was doing a great job. It gets boring. Uh, any courtroom testimony. I mean, I remember just John Stewart on his final program saying, you know, one thing that you do with bullshit is you, you avalanche people in boring stuff so they glaze over. There is. You were telling me right before we started recording, like like there is a big headline here. There is a contradiction between Nigel Wright, what he is saying, and what Harper is saying mm-hmm. around the good to go. That, he, that essentially Wright is saying that Harper said that we're, we're good to go on this payment to. Yes. So this was something that Duffy had previously said that if I'm remembering this correctly, that Harper was good to go on this. But what Wright had said on the stand was that Harper had actually approved a plan and said it was good to go. And he gave the specifics of what that plan was. So apparently it involved not $90,000, but a previous $32,000. So previously, it was initially believed, CBC is reporting here, it was initially believed that the senator only owed $32,000. And at that point, Wright says that Harper said... 
they were good to go on paying that back. There's juicy stuff in there, not just in Harper's involvement, but that at the $32,000 level, they were going to use this conservative fund. The party was going to pay it back. Everyone was okay with covering up what Duffy had done at that level. And then there's this weird stuff between Irving Gerstein and the, like saying that he had essentially influence over Deloitte, the auditors that he had, like that they would collaborate. There is sketchy stuff. So this 90,000, well, no, 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 it comes back at 90,000. And now mm-hmm. it's, now it's got to be this personal payment from Nigel Wright. And, and, and so Harper has some sort of deniability in between 32,000 or 90 or no, he's saying that good to go never came out of his mouth that he had nothing to do with that. So, well, I don't know whether Harper's actually given a statement on today's trial proceedings. At no, all. But previously, previously, he did say that good to go were somebody else's words. Yeah. But he's not going to come back and say, oh, sorry, I, I actually did say that. No, I doubt he'll comment on it at all. You know, he hasn't been commenting much as well um, to media and on general topics of the day. I don't expect him to comment on this either. But as we get into the weeds of this trial again and test the public's interest, tolerance, patience for, be it, you know, the I mean, what's very clear is that this was happening throughout the Senate, but also what it's telling us. I mean, this is stuff that journalists get really excited about, that we're, we're seeing these emails and we get to see how they classify media stories and, and, and how, how power works within the PMO. All that stuff is very interesting to us. To the public, I'm not sure that it's as interesting. I think that there's just sort of like, have you caught Harper in a lie? And to my mind, haven't we already? When, when Harper has said – Three versions of the story. Story number one, Nigel Wright has my full confidence when this first comes up. Story number two, Nigel Wright has made a terrible error and has resigned. And story number three just recently, oh, I fired Nigel Wright. Isn't like by definition those three stories cannot all be true and the prime minister has lied? I don't know if he's been clear about whether he fired Nigel Wright or not. Wasn't that, hasn't he had contradictory statements on that? Well, isn't a contradictory statement, they cannot be reconciled, therefore one of them is a lie? Isn't that? <laughs> I'm not sure if you can say that. I didn't take logic. In, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't take logic. Uh, but that was, mm-hmm. yeah, like he claims now to have fired Nigel Wright. Mm-hmm. He claimed in the past that, that he, Nigel Wright resigned. Yeah. They can't both be true. I'm not sure whether he said resigned. I mean, I haven't been following this extremely closely until very recently. Yeah. And I have to admit, uh, my interest in this is probably because of the election. You yeah. know, this back to the distractions, right? I probably am more interested in this right now because there's an election underway. And do we care because we are curious what impact it might have on the election? Or do we care because we care whether or not the prime minister lied? Both. Yeah. Both for sure. I don't know. I don't feel like it's an ad hominem thing. I, I probably would feel the same way whoever was prime minister, but I'm not shocked. I won't pretend to be so naive that like the prime minister lied. You know, mm. for me, it's just more a statement about judgment and that your position becomes untenable once you get, you, you know, like that is just the way it works. If you get caught in a lie, you got to either own up to it and somehow get out of it or, or step down. I always thought. I don't think it's clear at all that he lied. Yeah. I mean, you know, inconsistencies. It would it would be nice to see some clarity here, but there isn't any as far as I can see other than you know, who says what about each different thing. So, you know, you have Duffy's narrative and you have Wright's narrative and you have Harper's narrative. And yeah, maybe there are some conflicting things there, but you can't say for sure who's exactly telling the truth. I'm hoping that out of today's testimony, we're going to get some good documents that the excellent reporters who are in the courtroom right now are going to go through and we can see, Mm -hmm. you know, what backs up what. But you know, this is breaking as we're recording this. So yeah. we can't say right now definitively 
in this fuzziness, in the blur, mm-hmm. the blurriness that you're pointing out is that is the space I think that Harper is relying on to kind of like kind of exist in that blur, in that haze and sort of move on. And I can't help but think that like to a certain extent, I mean, he's being allowed to. And it's not that people are ignoring this or it's not a big story, but there's just a certain kind of like clarity of focus that is lacking from this. Even Mulcair saying, well, it's Harper who's on trial here. Like, I think we just need definitive statements once we have the information. I think we'll get that information coming out of today. I'm really looking forward to the coverage coming out of today. Yeah. And I've been reading what's going on now, but I'm looking forward to Vice's Justin Ling, of course. He always has good stuff. And I'm looking forward to seeing the documents. All right. (laughs) Look forward to those and, and not get distracted. No, don't get distracted. Canada's entertainment industry reeling tonight from the sudden death of one half of the popular TV show duo Stephen and Chris. We still don't know the uh, cause of death, Suhanna, but it's such a a shocking loss Mm -hmm. for such a big, boisterous, colorful personality, the idea that he's just gone like that. And he brought a certain level of glamour into the lives of Canadian women coast to coast. Uh, CBC will have set up a memorial area in the CBC atrium in Toronto. And certainly, I think, for the CBC, he will leave uh, uh, a hole. Also online, there's been a large response, 20,000 shares of the news and more than 13,000 comments. Friends and family now say they believe sleepwalking may have contributed to his death. Oh, definitely. Christopher had a big problem with sleepwalking. He's the furthest away from what you could ever think to kill himself. I found this weird. I found the coverage of Chris Hyman's death to be weird. Why? I was listening to a CBC newscast towards the end of the newscast. Oh, and Chris Heinemann, Stephen and Chris, been on the air for years. That guy's dead. He was found in an alleyway in downtown Toronto, and we really miss him terribly. And social media really misses him too. So I'm just a news consumer just trying to figure out, well, wait, wait a second. Well, what happened? What happened? And, you know, I mean, Glenn McGregor, Ottawa citizen, he, he, he was commenting on this on Twitter. He, he said um, – CBC's reporting on Chris Hyman's death sucked. Guy is found dead in an alley, and the report doesn't ask why. Kid gloves treatment. And I'll admit that when I first heard it, the lack of detail about cause of death, you know, it had me going to. I've absorbed the same stereotypes that I think everybody in our culture has, not to make excuses for myself. But when you tell me that a middle-aged, you know, reasonably well-off gay man is found dead in an alley— I think that they did a disservice to him because my mind, I will admit, was like, okay, has this got to do with some kind of drug deal gone bad or something with a hustler? Was he killed? What happened to this guy? And, of course, there's no reason to believe that any of those things happened. Those things, it seems, absolutely did not happen. And then, you know, you look closer when you actually read the story, you know, the initial coverage. It's written in code. Toronto Police Constable Caroline DeCloet said Tuesday afternoon that the – out of privacy – the Toronto police will not discuss any matter unless there's a criminal element pertaining to a specific person. And then there's no decoding of that very obscure language in the CBC's report. So what they're saying, it seems, is we're not going to comment unless there's a criminal element. So there isn't a criminal element. So that rules out all of those rather tawdry places where my mind went, which really, I think, denigrate the memory of a person who, whose public image was of a very wholesome and likable and wonderful guy who was very mainstream um, and doesn't sound like there is anything to denigrate that memory. And so I've got this police report saying, well, there is no criminal. So if, if you speak news, you know what that means, right? If a person's found dead and there's no criminal investigation and there's nothing about an illness or something, 
then your mind is like, okay, he killed himself. I think you're wrong there in terms of your analysis of what that obviously means. Okay. Because it doesn't obviously mean that. It's just that when you hear those words, generally as a news consumer or as a news person, that's what you assume. But it doesn't actually mean that. There's Those words are vague for a reason. It, it, it also means we don't know yet. And you, this cause of death probably won't be released. And I think it's unfair to speculate about, you know, suicide in this case when we don't have any evidence whatsoever. And his family has come out and said that he was sleepwalking. And I think it's also very important to offer condolences to his family because this is such an awful tragedy, right? You know, he's only 49 and it was such a sudden death. So, yeah, I think it's only appropriate to say, you know, we're offering condolences. I think you're absolutely right that to to draw the conclusion that therefore it's suicide is a wild leap, yeah, uh, which is not borne out in any of the evidence. What I'm saying is I am left to speculate on that by the coded language in the story. I absolutely agree with you. The response to Glenn McGregor on Twitter was like, why do you need to know? And this is one of these cases where like the public's need to know versus like, what about his husband's interests or the family's interests? That is primary and offering condolences and just, you know, but creating speculation, creating an atmosphere where people's minds are going to these places because you're not saying everything you know is, I think, a disservice to your audience. I mean, like, let's say, and I think that this is the case, we don't know if it's sleepwalking, which later came out. Uh, it sounds like it's a possibility. So what could those reports have said? They could have said there was no sign of violence. There's no sign of a stabbing or a shooting. Just to say, oh, there are no vital signs is very, very vague. But to say it looks like there that he took a fall and we don't know why. At least I know what the reporter knows. Do we know that, though? Do we actually know that? And I don't know whether the CBC report was from, you know, the same day when, when was that report from? That report was the next day that I was, yeah. So maybe there were very few details at that point. I don't think his family had come out by that point and said anything. I, I mean, I might be misremembering it, but I thought that the uh, the stories quoting his, um, his mother and a family friend came out later. That came out later. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe there was nothing to go on and it would be a huge problematic thing to try to say anything detailed about something so close after his death, right? Yeah, no, I think that the level of detail should have been the level of detail had. And if all the media had were questions, what was lacking from those reports, they didn't skip a beat into going into how many shares the news got on Facebook and there'll be a memorial tomorrow. And like, wasn't he wonderful? I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. I have huge questions and I'm not at all involved. If you work with the person and you don't know anything, Say that because obviously you are dying to know. And, you know, that wasn't conveyed. We are just beside ourselves with grief and we urge sensitivity and no speculation. We don't know yet. We mm-hmm. don't. That wasn't in there. It was. And, and I don't think this is just me because those early stories that were really, really lean. And it's not just the CBC on on detail. were like blowing up on social media. They were number one. And I feel like they did a disservice to his memory and to his family because they did inspire tons of speculation about all kinds of rumors and and things that there's just no reason to believe that that's what happened. And this speaks to, I think, a larger issue of just like, how do we cover suicide? Not that this was one, because I don't know that at all. But if 
because we have such kid gloves when it comes to that, and it, and and the rules change all the time. When it was Robin Williams, because the American media reported it first, CBC reported it's it's Robin Williams has committed suicide, um, and there are guidelines for mental health groups and from suicide prevention. They don't say don't you know as a rule we don't report suicides, and I think that that when there's a topic that the media just won't report then people will just fill in that blank whenever whenever there's a question and missing information unless the media is very specific i'm not sure about that at all i mean you just you just said you know not that this is a suicide and then went down a tangent about mental health i mean I think you're leading to speculation by saying that, aren't you? I can't be clear about this. I have not personally and privately convinced myself that that's the case mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm just playing it safe. I have no idea. Right. People absolutely sleepwalk to their deaths. That absolutely happens. And it could be something else entirely. I am like focused specifically here on the next day CBC coverage. Well, even uh, I heard it as it was breaking. So I think the question then is how do we handle breaking news? I don't think it's how do we handle suicide when we don't know anything about this guy's death. Yeah. How do we handle breaking news of any kind? Because you know, you're a member of the media, you know that breaking news is the worst news. It's incredibly Comes tough. Broken. It's incredibly tough to to uh accurately report breaking news. You know, you have to be incredibly careful. You have to verify everything perfectly. And often there is um, misinformation that's just passed through the news. And then there are uh, corrections later. We know that. So Mm -hmm. perhaps in this case, CBC was being very careful to not report misinformation because it's a very highly charged death. Yeah, I think my my critique is not that they held back things that they knew. It's that Mm -hmm. they didn't disclose what they didn't know. How do you disclose what you don't know? You just list what we don't know? There was nothing in there about cause of death. Like, mm. we don't know the cause of death yet would, would have been, but we can tell you that it wasn't this, this, or this. If he had been shot or stabbed, there would be a police investigation. Yeah, I think the police had said, you know, no foul play suspected, as you said. Right. Was that in the CBC story? What was in the CBC story was, was that statement that I read. Right, right. I mean, that is a very evasive Wording, once again, out of privacy, the Toronto police will not discuss any matter unless there's a criminal element pertaining to a specific person. Mm -hmm. That's like a very vague statement of policy. And then I think police came out with, you know, the no foul play thing, which we we always hear. So then where does that leave you? I don't know. I think that it's incredibly hard to break news and especially when it's a highly charged situation where, you know, any cause of death is a potential reality. You have to be extremely careful and... I would err on the side of, um, you know, not speculating wildly and being reserved in coverage. Yeah. No, I I agree completely. I think that what happened was wild speculation. And I think that it it had to do with what was missing from that coverage. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hillary Beaumont, thanks again. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate you having me on again. So we're coming back. Yeah, we're back. <laughs> we finished the podcast and then we were continued chatting, Hillary. And then I I kind of realized that what happened in that conversation is that like, I didn't think of it as a debate or an argument, but I did have feelings and thoughts and a position and you had a contrary one mm-hmm. and it sort of became something of an argument. And I think it's one that you kind of won. And I think that as that was happening, I was still so insistent that, no, 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 I just haven't phrased my argument uh, as succinctly and eloquently as I'd like to. But actually what happened is I think you were right. So, yeah, I just wanted to recognize that that happened. 
Thanks. I don't need to be right, but I'm glad that you changed your position on that because I definitely think it's, you know, we need to be really careful with topics like these, especially, um, yeah, when when there's a really weighty death of someone who meant a lot to people. I do feel like the utmost sensitivity is is necessary. I still feel like we need to make a clean account to our audiences when we're reporting things about what we're saying and what we're not saying and why. Mm -hmm. And I still feel like that was missing and that did lead to the speculation. But I, but I think I was uh, holding CBC and others who kind of also had, you know, uh, similar reports responsible for conclusions that I was going to. Yeah, I think that's right. Right. And the truth is, I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know what the right way to report a death where you don't know much about it is. I think the simple answer is, and I think you would agree, is to say you don't know. And I think that's something you were saying before. Yeah. But that's something that is really hard to say, both as media and as journalists, as, right. as people, sorry, <laughs> as journalists and as people. It's really hard to say you don't know something, but that's what we should say more. Right. It's an easy, it's easier to say, that, oh, they did a crappy job than it is to say, I actually don't know how you do that, exactly. that job. I do, but, but yeah, that's something maybe like... How could that have been done better? What should the wording be? And I think that one of the mistakes I made in our conversation earlier is that I made it a conversation about how to cover suicide, which is not the conversation we're having right now because we don't, we don't know. Exactly. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Jesse. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Brown. Hillary, where are you? I'm at Hillary Beaumont, H-I-L-A-R-Y-B-E-A-U-M-O-N-T. The website is canadalandshow.com and the crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. I make this show with Katie Jensen. The next episode of Canada Land will be up on Monday. The next episode of Canada Land Commons will be up on Tuesday. If you like this show, please support it. 